This podcast is brought to you by jewishpodcasts.org. Start your very own podcast today at jewishpodcasts.org. was supposed to be saved by Reuben. There's no question about that. The Pesach praised him for it, and it seems he had really noble intentions. I mean, he really intended, without any question, to be able to save Yosef at that. It seems that it's written that way, and it seems that's 100% true. The problem is what the Shvatim were thinking. It's clear they wanted to kill Yosef, so why would throwing him in a pit make it any better? That makes no sense. If you want to kill him, kill him. If you think that he's high of Nisa, for whatever reason, if you feel that he's a Navi Shekhar, and he's a Navi Shekhar for saying out those dreams, and because of the Balash and Hardy, Shami and Shubis and Perchat says that somebody who's a Balash and can't get a Nebuah, and if you hold that Yosef Tzadik is a Balash and and he spoke Lash and about you, and then you hold that he, since the Balash and can't get Nebuah, so therefore he's high of Nisa, so kill him! Just kill him! You don't have to do anything else. Why in the world would Reuben saying, let's just throw him in a pit, be any better to them? Why would that make any sense? That shouldn't help whatsoever. So the concept is, is that Reuben argued with them and said, no basin kills themselves. They make shluchay basin go instead. There's shluchay basin that do the killing instead of the basin itself. If that's true, then no one here can kill Yosemitatic. So let's send him into a pit. Let him die of starvation through snakes and scorpions, through water. Kill him in some which way for which we are not involved in it. If we kill him that way, we kill him through grumma, then we won't be chayev for what we did, even if we are. Even if we are wrong about our psak then. So they paskin yishigai, and they paskin yishigai through this method, so that it wouldn't be directly through them themselves. It's possible that they were trying to be makayim the dreams. The Ramban says that everybody is trying to be makayim dreams throughout the entire Chumash. Yosef Atzadik is trying to be makayim his dreams the entire time. So the Shvatim knew that they were supposed to bow down to Yosef Atzadik, so it was brilliant. Said Reuben, you want to be able to bow down to Yosef Atzadik? Take Yosef, throw him inside the pit, and look down at him. He just bowed down in front of him. You are the kind of dream, says the Chassam Sofer, by bowing down to Yosef Atzadik when he's standing inside the pit. And that was able to get everything done. Said the Chassam Sofer, now you don't have to worry about anything. The dream was accomplished, and now we can take care of him. And that would have worked. If not for the fact that Yehuda got a little bit upset and wanted to sell him. If that didn't happen, then everything would have been a little bit different. That was that. That's, there's a first thing I here as well. If you have, if you have a Rabbi Yonasan here in Yeshiva, I don't know if you think they do. They might have, yeah, they do. Check out this first Yonasan. He has another star that goes through this. It's another idea that goes through this. Now, the Gemara Shabbos we already know. Fine. How deep was this pit? So the Panini Kedem brings down from somebody random. I don't know. But either way, regardless, it's like every guy has that one time. So I guess this is it. So the Panini Kedem says that it was under 10 spachim. Under 10 spachim. Because otherwise, the hevel of a pit that was 10 spachim should kill you. I'm not going to get into hevel. It's not. Okay, so now, the hevel should have killed him. So it had to be that it was under 10 spachim. If the pit had water, then a pit that's under 10 spachim with water in it has double the amount of hevel. So that would have been a problem. So it specifically says, in Bomayim, said the Hevel wasn't going to be able to kill him, and it wasn't that. Now, the Maral Diskin says this as well, and he adds that it was probably less than 10 Spalkin. He says, because it makes sense that they would have thrown him into a regular boar, and a regular boar would have been under 10 Spalkin. A Stam boar says the grow is under 10 Spalkin. Here's the problem. 10 Spalkin comes up to this table. Chazanish is like up to over here. Okay? That's 10 Spalkin all together there. So they took Yosef Atzadik, and they put him inside this pit, in which his waist up was, was he was standing out there. Unless Unless Yosef Atzadik is an ant, that's not going to help much. Because you're sitting there and saying, oh, help, guys, I can't get out. What am I going to do? Somebody help me. Like, well, what does that mean? Why in the world would that have done anything? How can you even suggest such a thing? How can you suggest that he was in a less than 10 tempas pit? It doesn't make any sense at all unless they chained him down to the ground and literally put bricks on top of his 
body. There's no way that that could be shot. And I saw that the Rosh says this. The Rosh, the Baltosos, the Kreitzan Mishnais, you see in the back of the Gemara, you see the Rosh on those Mishnais. The Rosh says the exact same thing. He says, Stambor is always less than 10 Svachim, and therefore he's thrown into a boar that was less than 10 Svachim. And I saw the Moshe of the Canaan ask the question and says, how in the world could you let him be put in a tent and not allow him to get up? How did that happen? He doesn't answer most of the doesn't answer. My suggestion? I don't think I have a really good one. And I think Ray Hartman would punch me in the face if I said this over. My suggestion is, is that they did tie him down into the pit and would not go anywhere else. Now, the snakes and scorpions, I would assume were inside holes inside the pit because it would be really hard not to see snakes and scorpions inside a pit that's only 10 fucking deep. Right? But nonetheless, it must be that they tied him down, held him down there, and he could not get out, could not climb out, and then eventually sold the Ishmaelim, Midyanim, Midyanim, whatever, Silkarim, whichever one it was, and they ended up putting up there. The Ramban, on the other hand, says that it was very deep. It had to be really deep because otherwise they would have seen the snakes and scorpions realized that Yosef Tzadik was saved by a miracle and then known that he was such a great Tzadik that everything happened to him. So the Ramban says that 100% had to be the way. Aside from that, there's a Gemara in Tumid, it's in the, toward the end of the first parak, that says that Ashwaka is always to something which is very, very deep. In fact, he says it's 20 Amos. Now, does anybody here know Gemara Shabbos? Because if you do, you're probably seeing the connection between this over here. The Ashwaka was to 20 Amos. If that's true, then we now have an idea. How big was the pit? So the idea is, says Achsam Sofer, that this pit was 12 pits deep. Because Yosef had extended against all of the Shvachim, apparently against himself as well, which is amazing. And it's 12 pits of 10 Shvachim each. 12 pits times 10 Shvachim. I know, you don't do math, but 12 times 10 is... Very good. Nah. It's uh, 120 Shvachim if you deal with 6 Shvachim per Amor. That means you have 20 Amos. Says the Chassam Sofer, the shot behind it is, and the reason why it's supposed to be this, is, by the way, he hints to it because it says, Elabor HaZed. Zed is the Gematria of 12. So it ended up being 12 pits altogether. They were one after the other, went all the way through. Ruvain wanted him to get some type of a kapara. He knew that Yosef Atatik had sinned against the Shachim, whether he meant to or not, whether speaking to Oshnar or not. By the way, he did have a Svara. The Chavetz Chaim says that a Talmud is speaking to his Rebbe. He's allowed to speak Oshnar because he's Nemanolov Kibay Trey. If he's Nemanolov Kibay Trey, he believed like any two people would be. So Yosef Tzadik's Svara was is that he definitely could. He could speak this Lashon Hara believed by his father and there wouldn't be any problems whatsoever. So that was his Svara to be able to get him to the place where he was in order to get him to the situation where he got to. The Shvatan didn't believe that he was Emanuel Kibay Trey. They didn't realize that Yosef Tzadik was learning with his father all night long. The Balot Sorum says Kibben Zekunim Hulo. Zekunim is the Gamash, it's the Rashi Tevis of Zrayim Kachim Nashim Yeshuos Moed. Yeshuos because of the Gemara and Shabbos Nevamet. But Yeshuos stands for Nezikin. He was learning with his father every night. That was the Ben Zakunin. I gave a shear to another issue. I don't know what Shiva was in. We got into Ksonis Tassim, which is a really, really cool idea. You notice in Birchas Kohanim, you know that Yirat Zone where our school loves to say, like, scan but do not read. You know what I'm talking about? So one of the shameless inside there is Pesamach, Pesamach, Yudmen. Okay, here's the deal. You're allowed to say those words because they're combinations of letters and they don't mean anything. It's not like you came off here, Aleph, Dali, Nun, Yun, It's not like that. What it really is is just combinations of letters that are coming from Birchus Koinen, which you're using gematria in order to get to there. Pas Pasim is referring to the Kisonis Pasim. That's what it refers to over here. And it was a spiritual uplifting. It's an idea of what the Yeshiva, all the learning that Yaakov, you know, had received in Yeshiva Shemba Iver, what he had given over to Yosef. That was the Kisonis Pasim. And I know the Kisonis Pasim was also a technicolor dream coat, which was red and blue and orange and 
all those different colors. But it also was, it also was the idea of what the Chesonis Pazim stood for, was the idea of getting all that learning and giving it over to Yosef. It was the Ben Zekunim, Zoyim, Kachim, Nashim, Yeshua's Moed, to be able to give it over to him so that he would understand it and get it and everything would be good and he'd be able to learn. He was a quintessential Talakakim. As a side note, by the way, this will go for a book. Does anybody know why he didn't learn Taras with his father? Says Zoyim, Kachim, Nashim, Yeshua's Moed. There's no Taras. So why not Taras? There's three answers, so I'm okay with any of the three. You don't have it? Okay, there is a two-volume set of Balaturim, okay, that has notes on the bottom. Go check that out and come back to me. I might give you a book, but I probably won't. But look at the notes of the Balaturim. There's three answers. There's Rin, and I forgot who the third one was from, but it's, it wasn't as good. So anyway, these, these are the ones that are out there, but I do. I'll give you a challenge on that one. That was the 20 Amos. 20 Amos is too far for the eye to see. So the Rabban would understand that. If 20 Amos is too far for the eye to see and the eye can't see down that low, if the pit was 20 Amos deep, that means he couldn't see the snakes and scorpions that are on the bottom of the pit. So the Psalms over saying that it was 12 pits of 10 Shafim each, which means 120 Shafim, which means 20 Amos altogether, means he couldn't see what's on the bottom of the pit. If that's true, then Reuben specifically wanted to put him in the pit thinking there was nothing down there, not realizing there was 20 Amos. Maybe that's why the Gemaras are put together. You have the first Gemara that says, etc., that there were snakes and scorpions in the pit. And right afterward it says, you can't put Hanukkah lift above 20 Amos because your eye can't see it. Where do they learn that drusha from? Probably from the connection between the two. If you check out the Zerah Baruch in the brand new Midrash Rabbas, the Zerah Baruch has an awesome board about how Hanukkah's deal rights are based on these two, these two smichos of Harshios. They go together like that. Now, why didn't the Hevel kill him? If it was that deep, then Hevel should have killed him, right? Ben Ishkai said it was a very wide pit. Of course, Ben Shai says that. It was a very wide pit. So he was thrown in, and once he was thrown in, he didn't die because there was enough space for the Hubble to be there. It, 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 okay, we'll just say it like that. But that was the idea of why they specifically brought him into there and not anywhere else, because they specifically wanted to bring him inside there so that he wouldn't die from Hubble itself. Okay, Rich Sternbach. Does everybody have Tom Vidas? Have you ever learned Tom Vidas before? I was just introduced to the Sefer, Tom Vidas. It's a three-volume set. Nobody knows Ramosh Sternbach. It's an amazing Sefer. Amazing. It's all Kedushim. Crazy Sefer. And I don't know why. I don't know why I was just like, I saw it like in the Skokie Base Matters and I looked up at it and I'm like, uh, and then I looked at it and I'm like, oh, it's amazing. He's got crazy stuff in here. He says the word by Ashley was weird. Why would you throw somebody into a 20 a pit? You'll kill him. 20 almost is 30 feet, 40 feet according to the Chazanish. So you're going to kill him. You don't throw somebody down 30 feet. Why didn't he die? If you say that he lowered him down, but it says by Ashokhail they threw him. So if they threw him into the pit, how did he not die by falling into a pit that was, that was 20 almost deep? You know what he says? Crazy. I'm sorry? Yeah, go. What do you got? Because he knew if he threw him in the pit, then Hashem wanted to die or die. If he's not going to die, he'll Throwing in the pit, if you throw somebody down two stories, he's not going to die? <laughs> That's the idea. I hear you. You're not going to get a book for that. But I mean, the, the, the idea behind it is good because we're going to use that for the snakes and scorpions part for later on to be able to say why he was specifically thrown in there. But you, can you imagine? You have 20, um, 20, again, you have 30 feet. That's the third floor of this building. I don't know if Israel goes by 10 feet for every story. Maybe it's like, third, I don't know. But regardless, you're taking them off and you're pushing them off. You're like, let's see if you die. <laughs> Crazy. Of course he's going to die. Like, that's nutty. And anybody can do such a thing. So they threw Yosef and Tadak in the pit and said, like, well, let's see. Yosef's like, you're going to kill me. You are going to kill me. I am going to die. There is no chance I'm going to make it. But 
What Rosh Shabbat says is, they prepared it beforehand. They took massive pillows and they put it on the bottom of the bed. And then threw them inside. That is the greatest Kiddush I've ever heard in my life. I've never heard anything like that before. I'm sorry? If it's 10 Shabbat, then it's much easier. But if it says 20 Amos, how do you throw them in? How can you devise Shulchayu? So they prepared it. They made sure that there was little pillows on the bottom. That's the greatest answer ever. That the, the greatest. How did they not see there were snakes and scorpions and they put pillows down there? I don't care. That's a great answer. Either way, how do we know that there were snakes and scorpions in the pit? I have five answers to this question, but they're all dealing with different gematries that go all the way through. The Balatorum says it's a Gzera Shav. It says Aimbo Mayim over here. It says Aimbo Mayim by Tzvarim Chet Tzvav. So the problem is, uh, I wrote this up last week. It was a big problem because I was speaking at a Bar Mitzvah and I totally forgot what Parsha it was because <laughs> I had finished all of Parsha's by Yeshev when it was still Parsha's by Yishlach. So I got up to speak at the Bar Mitzvah and I said, this week's Parsha is Parsha's and I all of a sudden realized, I was like, oh. <laughs> It was embarrassing. Anyway, it worked out. It worked out. I said, well, they're all connected to one another. <laughs> Welcome to Practical Rabbinics 101. So that's the idea. It says, in Tzvarim, Tzvav, Nachash, Sarva, Akri, Vitzima, On, Asher, Einbo, Mayim. Talking about the midboard, it says, Einbo, Mayim, over there. So, Einbo, Mayim, over there, it says, there were Nechashim, and Shrafim, and Akravim. Therefore, over here, when it says, Einbo, Mayim, it's also referring to Nechashim, and Akravim. That's the idea. The rush. And many of the Balazos said the exact same answer. That when it says, Ain and Rak. Rak Ain Bomai. The idea behind Rak and Ain, there's two mutum. Ain Mirachamiyas Elo Lorabos. Once you have Lorabos, you're including something else. We're going to include snakes and scorpions. He also says the words Vayeshvu. Vayeshvu Le'echol. Right after that, they sat down to go eat. Vayeshvu means Yeshbo Le'echol. There was something in there that could consume him. That was the idea behind it, and that's where they learned it out from. We find the Rabino Ephraim. Oh, gotta love the Rabino Ephraim. Rabino Ephraim, this paper came out not too long ago. Rafaim Kineski has notes on the bottom. I don't believe they're really from Rafaim Kineski because I don't think Rafael Kiesi really got involved with this safer as much as they say that he did. It's a crazy safer. Crazy safer. And if you've done parts of it, you got some parts of it, you know what I'm talking about. It says, Rak in Bomayim, says the Rabino Ephraim. Rak in Bomayim is the gematria of 783, which is Zehu Yeshbo. Pretty good, right? That's a great gematria. The problem is it's off by 10. But other than that, it's really, really good. It's like an awesome gematria that goes all the way through. Unless I'm wrong, I'm not wrong, though. The Balitosis and the Chidal both say that Ain Bo Mayim, this is the best one. And I think that this is the real answer when it comes to everything. When we're looking at Drishim, the truth is, when you're looking at a Drish, you're always trying to find a remnant in which the Metrish comes from the text itself. This is a pure Drish from the text. It's clear. Ain Bo Mayim. Ain Bo is the wording of Aval Yesh Bo Nechoshim the Rashi Tavis, Aval Yesh Bo Nechashim Ve'akravim, are the letters of Ein Bo. It's out of order a little bit. But that's exactly what those letters are. That, to me, makes the most sense. So I'm not going to say that I like them, the Chidah and Balitosis a little bit better, but I do happen to like that Chidah a lot better. The Sefer Yashar says that when Yosef Atzadik was thrown into the pit, all the snakes and scorpions went into holes on the side of the pit. So really, they stayed there because they were scared of Yosef Atzadik. There's another way of looking at it. The Sister Chaman said, seemingly, the exact opposite. That the snakes and scorpions were not there originally, and they went there when Yosef Atzadik was in the pit, and yet he was saved miraculously. It seems to say the exact opposite of the Sefer Yasser. If you, the Gurari talks about this as well, I'm not so sure what the Gurari is saying, but either way, that, that's the Gurari as well. It could be that you can learn it up from the word Ainbo, as in Ainbo. They should have checked that out a little bit further, and that's there. But Rukhain Kineski says in Tommy Dekra, such a remez that goes all the way through. He says, and I mentioned this before, Habora, the original thing, when they threw him into the boar, the original boar was without a bow. But then it says, Habor Reik in Bomayim. Habor Reik, the boar is written with a bow. So you have boar without a bow, you have boar with a bow. Boar with a bow means a completely empty pit. 
You have a pit that is a full pit. Borrow without a vav means there's something else in there. It's not a full pit. Reuben suggested to throw him into a pit, a bore with a vav. He said, let's throw him into a bore with a vav, an empty pit. To which they threw him into a pit that didn't happen to be empty. Habora, in which there's missing a vav. Because there were snakes and scorpions in there. But once he was thrown in, all the snakes and scorpions went into the holes on the side. So then, Habor rake. The bore became empty. And that's why there's a vav there the third time. It's a great shot. Unbelievable shot that Rechaim says. And the idea behind it, that's why they threw into the bore. The Gemarni Vam is Kukhop al You guys are in junior Vamas now, are you? Got it. So in Yavamas Kukhavalov, it says, just know, by the way, when I was here my first year, I learned Yavamas. I learned Yavamas in Rabbi Hartman's show. I was in Rabbi Hartman's show that year. It wasn't here. We had like, we were upstairs in like that three floor weird face measures thing that's perpetually always under construction, but never actually being constructed. I was there. We were, we were there at the time. And I still remember him going through and trying to, trying to go through Yavamas. And I still remember him saying, if anybody finished the mess up that we're going to do, I don't know if they still, they still do the bowel pad thing. No, they don't do it. Why oh, you guys stink? All right, listen. I, I, he made a whole. Di- but go to Rabbi Hartman. Ask him why he doesn't do this anymore. I know he's not your second seder anymore, but just just ask him why they don't do this. We learned Yavamis Balpet. We did the whole thing. I mean, Shaklavitario from the beginning to the end. It was really hard. I started with the fifth tarak, and then we went down from there. We ended up doing it. But I still remember Yavamis has a special way. I still remember like the beginning. I was coming to Shusrei Nashim, Potrasor, Samitzor, Sanamir, Halitzim, and even lots of Olam Elohim. So I can beat cab drivers now. I got one Mishnah, just like they have that one Mishnah that they can get you on, you know? Like, I can do that as well. I'll go ahead. So I remember my best cab driver. Oh my gosh, this is the best guy. He like came up to me and he's like, Mazda Yisrael! So I'm like, oh, gosh, don't talk to me. But he said, Mazda Yisrael! So I was like, ah. So he said, Yaakov, Yitzchok, Sorrow, Ripko, Rochel, Avron, Leah. And I was like, you're a cab driver. That's pretty good, right? And then I asked him why he wasn't wearing a kippah. <laughs> and he pointed to Shemai and he said, my kippah is the top of my car. <laughs> that's wrong. <laughs> that's not how it works. I don't think that's how it works. I'm pretty sure that's not there. He then said to me, by the way, Maze Yad. Maze Yad. So I'm like, mm. <laughs> Right? But he didn't want that. He wanted... 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10, 11, 12, 13, 14. 14 is the gematria of Yad. And he said, Yad and Yad is Kayach. Pretty good, right? That's all I learned from cab drivers. Anyway, that is that. Yeah, I'm pretty much done with that. So the question is, Gemara Yavamis Kukhov Aleph says that anybody who's thrown into a pit filled with snakes and scorpions can automatically say you're going to say that this guy is already dead. Because once you go in there, there's no way the guy's going to come out of it alive. Lions, you could survive. <laughs> anyway, but... Snakes and scorpions, you are not automatic, you are definitely going to die. So why did Yosef Atzadik survive? Why don't we use Yosef Atzadik as a proof that you don't die when you get thrown into a pit that's filled with snakes and scorpions? Clearly he didn't die. Why wouldn't this be a good riot? Why wouldn't that be considered a good proof? The answer is unbelievable. The Moshe of the Canaan says, number one, it could be that that's only when you fall on them. But if you fall to the side, then it's not going to be there. If the pit was as wide as the Benishai says it is, then it won't be a problem. That's going to be an answer for that. But he does says he uses Sefer Yasher up above that says that they went into the pit they went to the holes of the pit a little bit earlier so they wasn't able to fall on them so you didn't have to worry about stuff like that. Torah Tamima says it was an absolute miracle. And had the Shrutham known it, they would have said it sh- they should have bitten him, but they didn't bite him whatsoever. The clay chamda. You know how the clay chamda works? Clay chamda is like all into like Ian, trying to be in the eyes of the sukkah. The honest truth is, it's very hard to read an entire clay chamda. I shake the hand of anybody who reads an entire clay chamda and says, I just finished a clay chamda. I will say to you, you are an awesome person and I truly envy you. 
but uh, I'm never going to do it. That, that's just not going to happen. So I skimmed through clay chumta. That's the honest truth. It's just very, very hard. The clay chumta says that normally you can be made about that person that he's going to die. Normally that's what ends up happening. It's possible that he did, but Yosef Tzedek was different. He knew Kishuf. He knew magic. So he knew the lachashim that you can use to keep snakes away from you. If you know the lachash to keep snakes away from you, he was able to say it. He said that it was as a mistoma. Mistoma, you knew kishuf. Mistoma, you knew the lachash. So he had no problem. You only are made on the guy if the guy doesn't know lachashim. If the guy knows lachashim, then you're not made about that guy. There is a deek in the Gemara Kufla that seems to say it that way, and there's also Yerushalmi in the last character of Amis that seems to say it that way as well. And the clay comes and goes into that. But here gets into a big machlokas. You know the whole famous Parsis Drachim, the idea of the focus between the Shvatim about the regular Shvatim and Yosef Tzedek about what they were arguing about that the Parsh Shvatim says that the Shvatim were saying that we're really worried I, I, I guess, whatever we consider ourselves B'nai Yisrael and Yosef Tzedek considered themselves B'nai Noach you ever hear that Akhlokas before? Yeah. that all the Akhlokas are dealing with that and the Abram and Achai when you're dealing with Abram and Achai that Yosef Tzedek felt that Abram and Achai would be usher to B'nai Noach what they really were doing was they were shucking the animals and while the animal was still shaking they were cutting off the ears and eating the ears for a Jew that's mutter as soon as the animal Shakted is considered shakted. It's done. You can eat from the ears immediately. Not the ears. But either way, regardless, that, that's what you can do. What the Bnei Noach are not allowed to. Not until the animal stops moving. So there was a machlokis between the two. Are you allowed to eat from the ears? The Shvatim said, yes, we can because we're Bnei Yisrael. Yosef said, no, we can't because we're Bnei Noach. That machlokis goes all the way through. A Ben Noach is ushering Kishuf. A Ben Noach that does Kishuf is Chayv Nisa. If a Ben Noach does Kishuf and is Chayv he can't save himself through Kishuf or Lachashim. A Yisrael can save himself through Kishuf or Lachashim from snakes. So a Ben Yisrael could do it. So the Shvatim would assume that he would be able to use the Lachashim to be able to stay away. But Yosef Atatik Lashitasu didn't. So he should have died by the snakes, but he didn't, obviously, because of the other reasons that are mentioned. So why didn't they really let him? So Chaim Palaji, I found this in Ravitzuk Zilvashin in Alain Lashavach. This is a really crazy story. Chaim Palaji told over a story about the Shevet Musser. The Shevet Musser used to get up really really, really early, right, in order to go learn. So it was still dark outside, and it was pitch black, and there were no lights whatsoever. He was sleeping in his room, and he was sleeping in his bed, and while he was sleeping in his bed, he used to wake up immediately, and he would immediately wash Nagelbasser, then put on his clothes underneath the covers, and then he'd take his gartel from off the little table that was right next to him, put on the gartel, and then he'd run over to go, to go learn. He'd run over to the next room, turn on the light, and he'd go learn. He'd start learning immediately. So, one morning... He does everything. Washes out roster, puts on his clothes, grabs the garzel, and the garzel feels a little bit weird. Puts it on, right? Tucks it in, does everything, whatever he's supposed to do. You see where I'm going with this, right? It's good. Those who don't, don't worry. So now, we're, we're, he goes into the other room, and as he's going to the other room, and he sits down, all of a sudden he feels his belt fall off, fall off completely. He's like, that's weird. So he looks down to go pick it up. Well, there's a light in this room, right? There's a light in here, and he realizes it's a poisonous snake. He just wrapped a poisonous snake around his body as a gartel. I don't know if you know what a gartel's like. It's not an easy thing to put on. <laughs> that's, not, not, that's like amazing. It's absolutely amazing. I cannot imagine a snake being like, yeah, yeah a little bit is. The scratch right there. But he did it. He turned everything around, tucked it in, right and right out. And when he went down and sat down, the snake was like, all right, I'm out. And he ran away. He ran away. The Shevet Musa was so crazy. He, he obviously was amazed that such a miracle had happened to him. He wrote a safer on that miracle. It's called the Azor Eliyahu. Azor Eliyahu means the belt of Elijah. I don't know why Eliyahu. But the Azor is right there. Right? And he did that all based on what had happened with the snake itself. So the first thing I thought when I read this story is, what is spaced out? That's the first thing that I thought. That's an unbelievable.
we will say this. The fact that you think of a garter, like, I've felt garters before. I don't wear a garter. I know what garters feel like, and it doesn't feel like snakeskin. And, and somebody that picks up snakeskin and tucks it in, that's awesome. That's like, I, I don't, I, that takes like, you know, there's like ADHD. This would be like 80 triple HD. I, I don't know what that would be. That's like hyper, absolute, I cannot pay attention to anything else. But something happened and he was able to do it, which is absolutely amazing. But Beatrice Zilberstein learned out a totally different lesson than I did. Right? He learns that the purpose why, the reason why he didn't bite him is because when somebody is so into Torah, snakes cannot bother you whatsoever. They have no ability to be able to bite you. The Gemara and Brockles, Daflamid Gimel, Vrachanina Medoza, who happens to be my favorite Tana, by the way, the greatest Tana all time with Henny Mendoza. By far, my favorite Tana. He's awesome. He's got everything going for him. He can make houses big. He's awesome. He's absolutely awesome. So we all know that there was a snake. There was that, come on, you know the famous one, right? The famous one with the light, with the oil, right? That his daughter ended up ended up lighting with vinegar instead of oil and she was crying in her Shabbos on the night of Shabbos. Henny Mendoza went up to her and said, Biti, Maich Batloch. I believe it's the only place in all shots where it says the word Maich Batloch. And that's awesome. So either way, they said, well, what do you care? The same Hashem that makes the oil light can make the vinegar light and the vinegar lit the whole day through for 24 hours 25 hours until Shabbos is over right and once Shabbos is over they use that to be able to make Abdallah that's the Gemara Tanis and Dabchaf unbelievable you know why I love that Gemara so much because of Ramosha Ramosha Feinstein says the Pshad is if you consider everything in life a miracle then nothing else is really considered a bigger miracle I mean, we look at these things and we turn on a light and all the lights go on and we're just like, yeah, that makes sense. Does that make any sense? Does that make sense? Well, because of electrons. Shh, come on! You know how electrons work? And protons and neutrons? You're okay with that? You think that makes sense? Do you think that makes sense? Do you have any idea why oil lights and vinegar doesn't? Well, yeah, because there is this oil. But come on. Nobody here knows. You light oil candles on Hanukkah and it works. Nobody sits there and says to themselves, well, that doesn't make any sense because we're fools and we don't think about these things. But if you would, you would realize it's a crazy miracle that anything works. How does anything work? I don't want to go all Victor Miller on you because I could, right? But I don't want to go into the whole, like, look at the eye. I'm not going to do that. I'm not going to, like, go crazy. I'm not going to say, like, an apple. But it is. It really is amazing when you start looking at this stuff and you start realizing that maybe it comes with age. And I'm older and smarter and wiser than all of you, so it's possible that, you know, that's where it comes from. And then after a while, right, it all comes through. It's only because of my age. It's not because I'm smarter. It's possible you guys are smarter than me. It's not really possible, but it is possible. <laughs> but it's age. It's age that just trumps all. So, you know, what can you do, you know? You're looking up at your elder and your greater, so... Nothing to do. I'm so sorry. <laughs> anyway, so now, don't worry. You'll be able to do that to your kids at some point. That's why you have kids. So now, here's <laughs> the idea, the concept, says, said, said Ramosha Feinstein is exactly that. Ramosha Feinstein looked at it and said, if you consider everything a miracle, then what difference does it make if it's oil or vinegar? It makes no difference to you. I cannot have vinegar light for me. Because I look at oil and say, it makes sense. I look at vinegar and say, it doesn't make any sense. So vinegar would not light for me because I consider that a crazy miracle and I'm not worthy of that miracle. But Rechanim and Dosa did not consider it a miracle. So Kodesh Baruch let it light. It didn't make a difference whatsoever. And that leads into a famous Shiloh of why Hanukkah was such a big deal if Rechanim and Dosa did it on a random Friday night. So it lasted for eight nights instead of one. What's the difference? Who cares? It happened. If the Ner Marabi always stayed lit in the base of Mikdash based on the Ramban and parts of Baloscha and Tark. Uh, something huff, uh, probably Zion huff, right? If it's right over there, right, then you'd wonder, you'd sit there and you'd say to yourself, well, why is that such a big miracle Hanukkah? That's again, I don't want answers, but it's a good question to be able to ask yourself. I have a share on that, but I gave it at H. Gesher, so they're a little bit different from you guys. So now, let's go on. We're going to have the next point. 
They do into the fit because of the idea we dance with the Mitzvah Yashar. I think I've said most of this stuff. I don't want to. I mean, there's something over here. There's a Panach Raza and a tour. Right, okay. Okay, and then Rafi. I forgot about this. I, either way, regardless, all of them. The Rishonim all get into this whole idea that Reuben wanted to throw them into a different pit, and they threw them into that pit. Reuben said, throw them into this pit, because there wasn't supposed to be anything inside there, including snakes and scorpions. But they threw them into a pit that had snakes and scorpions on purpose in order to test them. Now, what does that mean in order to test them? The Zohar and the Alshech. I know those are two random abortions, but Ramosha Alshech says it straight out. The Zohar I saw quoted, so you can't trust me on this one. It's, I'm not a Kabbalah guy. So the Zohar and the Alshech both say they wanted to test the it was Chai Misa. They specifically threw him in to a pit that had snakes and scorpions inside it to see if the snakes and scorpions would bite him. That way, they wouldn't be Chai for anything and it would be Akarish Baruch who they did it instead of them because we said by Rechani Mendoza, oh, I skipped Rechani Mendoza's story. What's wrong with you guys? Rechani Mendoza and Baruch was Lama Gimel was standing, he heard about in our road a crazy snake that was biting, that was biting people and killing them. So Rechani Mendoza said, it's not the snake that kills, it's the, the hate that kills. If you have Chataim, then you'll be killed by the snake. If you don't have Chataim, then you won't be killed by the snake. Mechina Medosa, to prove it, took his shoe off, put his, I, he probably didn't wear shoes, put his foot down right on top of the pit, and the snake came up, bit him, and Medosa took a step back and landed in water. Apparently, these types of snake bites, if you step in water before the snake does, you live. That's awesome. We don't have a snake like that nowadays, but it's possible that there was a snake that was like that that ended up having that type of idea where you just stepped into water and it, and it lives. But he would tell everybody, it's Torah that saves you. It's, that's what protects you. And your ability to stay away from hate, that's what allows everything to happen. Says the Alshach of the Zohar, they specifically threw him in to see what would happen. Does he have the schoolers to be able to survive like Rechanina Mendoza or no? And when they saw that he survived, they were wondering. And that's why they decided to sell him instead of throwing him into a different pit or doing something else with them, they decided to do that. The Kliyakr says it as well. The Nachash is known for Lashon Hara because of its Lashon Hara on Adam and Chava, on HaKadosh Baruch Hu Chava. You know that, right? Because the snake was the original Tsaras guy. He got Tsaras for the very first time. That's how it is scales. The scales come from its Tsaras. That's from the Yalkorubanian and Parshish Tezriah. So that's where it gets its scales from because of that. Originally, it had that real big skin. You know what happened to that skin eventually, right? Oh, that's a good question. What happened to the skin of the Nachash eventually? It became what? And then? Very good. And? And? Asaph got it. And? Yaakov got it. It was the Ksonis Possum, according to my shop. I'm giving you that for that. That was pretty good. That's very impressive. Pass it down. Pass it down. That was good. All together. That is a measure that's brought down that goes all the way through. Brings it all the way down to over there. So the algorithm, the, the, the way the Kliyakr says it is that was his punishment. Let's see if this snake is there. Now, I, I'm putting on the side as just brackets and parenthetically. The scorpion is a big issue. Why scorpions are mentioned over here? There is no mention of scorpions being involved with Rosh Hara. There is a great measure that I saw years ago that deals with scorpions. In fact, some of you might have read in Pesach, Pesach Krohn has a book in which there was a guy that saw a yellow scorpion in his house and he went to Rav Scheinberg and he asked Rav Scheinberg what he should do. And Rav Scheinberg said it's because you stopped giving tzedakah properly. When you stop giving tzedakah properly then you're bitten by scorpions based on parakshira. That's crazy talk. I have no idea what that means. And it's true, the guy had just stopped giving money to a certain guy and the guy ended up going through. I'm pretty sure it's a Pesach Krohn's story and he goes through the entire thing. I don't know what the shopping at scorpions is. I know I have something in one of my notes somewhere and I can't find it. I have absolutely no idea but I don't know that. We're going to stick to the snake itself and deal with that. We already mentioned Rechini Mendoza so I'm not going to mention that. 
It's another idea. The Gemara and Brachos Samach Bezim Abayi says that if a person is Sinua in a bathroom, he takes care of himself in the bathroom, and is always as Sinua as he possibly can be, meaning he keeps himself as dressed as possible when you go to the bathroom, then you will be sa- saved from snakes, and you will have better dreams. That's what it's doing over there in Brachos Samach Bezim because of the dream part, right? So that's what it says. They had no idea if he was Sinua or not. Sinua or not. They had absolutely no idea because nobody saw him into the bathroom, so they had no idea whether he was. But they did know that he had crazy dreams. So they looked at him and said, well, listen, if we want to see if these dreams are being given by Malachim or by Shadim, then let's see if he's bitten by snakes. If the snakes are attacked, attacking him, then that means that the dreams were given by Shadim and he's not sitting in the bathroom. If the snakes are not attacking him, that means the dreams might be real, and then we have to decide what to do after that. And that's what they did by selling him down in Mitzrayim, worried what's going to be. Now... We already said that he judged them as a Nabi Shaka. We talked about that some stuff before and we said stuff like that. But listen to what they did in the first place. The Shabbat did not decide to kill him. Well, let's think. What's the punishment by a Nabi Shaka? This is not going to get a book, but it should be known. What's the punishment by a Nabi Shaka? Guy speaks in, speaks in a Nabi Shaka. What happens to the guy? Naskila. Naskila. You were up to four. Yeah. is 100% true. It ends up being Khanak. Okay, we got Khanak over here. Khanak means that. Now, we all know that in Basin, when Basin decides it's going to be Khanak, they take a rope, wrap it around the guy's neck, and then one person pulls that way, one person pulls that way. That's how they strangulate the guy, okay? So that's what ends up happening. So we know that. That's already brought down. We do not take him by the gallows and, you know, take off his neck that way. We don't throw him inside water. But the Gemara does say that even though there's no Arba Mises anymore, the Dindalad Mises still applies. And that Dindalad Mises means that you, when a person drowns, it's possible that it was because of a Chiyuv Chenek. Now, it doesn't mean for sure, and don't say that about people that drown. But regardless, it's possible that that's the connection between those ideas. If that's true, says Chsam Sofer, they came up with an idea. He's Chayuv Chenek for being an Abi Shekhar. Let's throw him in a pit that has water in it. So we can't do chenek because we don't have a real basin. But what we'll do is we'll throw in a pit that has water in it and make that have make him have chenek. That'll be a strangulation. He'll die inside the water itself. That should be good enough. But they wanted their father to think that he was consumed by wild beasts. And that way, they would never have to answer any questions about what happened to Yosef They would push him into a pit, he would die by the water inside the pit, and then they take his clothing, and they were planning on afterward taking that body out of the pit, taking the clothes and all of everything else, and leaving it in the middle of the field with blood all over it, so it would look like Yosef Sadik was eaten by animals. Somebody else would find it, not the Shvatim, and would eventually tell Yaakov, you know what ended up happening over here. They wouldn't have forensic DNA or forensic evidence to be able to figure out that he drowned, and then he had been killed, right? They would think, they would think that it happened by wild animals. Reuven suggested the following. Don't throw him into that pit. Throw him somewhere else into a pit that doesn't have water and allow the snakes and scorpions to do that. Snakes and scorpions is a different issue. There's Srefa involved when a snake bites you. There's Srefa involved. But what he thought was is that if you throw him into a pit filled with snakes and scorpions, they'll choke him to death by being all around him. Maybe it would be constricting snakes. And it would be those types of videos that would be able to kill him instead. Throw him in there instead. That was the problem. When they threw him in and he wasn't killed, Ruvain ended up having them sell him down to Mitzrayim. Says it because I'm That was the shot behind it. There's a whole thing about Shachal and Yisrael Malkam Zeb, and I'm not going to go into that. I'm going to skip a little bit around here to be able to get this down. just want to say the very following. We don't understand what the Shachal meant. Rav Hirsch, Rav Shamsh Rav Hirsch, is of the opinion that you are allowed to knock down the Shachal and the others. And if they say something that's wrong, you're allowed to say they did something that's wrong. I don't 
really ascribe to that Ashkapa. I, I kind of think that it's really hard to do and really hard to say that the Abbas of Ashkapa did anything wrong. And the Torah is specifically saying it. I understand why a person is doing it. A person doesn't want anybody to deify the, the Abbas and to say things that are sort of like, again, I, I understand it. And I totally understand that there could be a derech that way. If somebody comes up to me and says, no, Avram Minu sinned. I totally understand it. The Ramban says that. I understand that. If somebody comes up to me and says, the Shvakim sinned by selling Yosef. I understand that. A lot of people will say, no, they sinned on their level. I totally understand that as well. I'm of the opinion that there was no hate whatsoever that they possibly did. I understand the people that say that they totally sinned and they, were, they, they did something that was really, really silly. I'm also of the opinion of the person that says that they sinned a little bit and that on their level was considered a great sin. I don't have a true, real... I have a derech. I just don't... I, I hear all the different drugs. I hear all the different sides when it comes to stuff like this. See, reverse holds that way. But the truth is... I feel the Chazam Sober says it the best way. They had a Pesach Halacha. Here's the Pesach Halacha. You guys are in Gittin, right? Do you get to Mar Ukva and Daf Zion? You got to Mar Ukva and Daf Zion? Okay, so Mar Ukva, we all know, had an issue with Geneva. Geneva is an interesting guy. He appears four times in Gemara Gittin. He's killed in one of the Gemaras, right? He's killed in a second one of the Gemaras. The other two, there's a bunch of people that are saying, hey, what's up with Geneva? Should we stand up for him? Should we not stand up for him? It's a really interesting person. Geneva, you'll see him. It's four times, possibly five, if you want to include the fifth. Samach Beis and Samach I feel, are too similar to be able to consider separate. But regardless, there's four or five times you're going to mention Geneva. Marufo was really bothered by Geneva. Really bothered. And couldn't stand him. So he went to his Rebbe, his Rebbe was Rebbe Elazar Mepadis, one of the poorest people in all Shas, in all Shas. His Rebbe Elazar Mepadis, he went to Elazar Mepadis and says, can you daven for this man to die? Elazar Mepadis said, don't daven for the guy to die. Okay, don't worry for it. So Marukva came back to him and said, it's really bothering me, I really want him to die. That's what he said about Geneva. And so what did, Mar- what did Rebbe Elazar say to him? He said, listen, go to the base Medrash, Behin Kolonei all these issues will take care of themselves. You don't have to worry about anything. Marufa went straight to the base medrash, and Geneva was brought out to be killed. Unbelievable Gemara. What was the svara behind Marukva? Here's even greater. You know, the halacha is, according to the Rambam, it's in Hilkos Kovul Amazik, that by a yachid, the pshat is, a yachid, a guy should go to the base medrash, like Rabbi Elazar, and everything will be taken care of, but you are not allowed to daven for someone to die. But if it's a Robin, if it's Sorke Robin, if you have one guy, let's say, of the whole town that's a Moser, and you know he's a Moser, and you know he's doing terrible things, the Tzibor is allowed to daven that this guy died. Or being given over into the hands of the government, sometimes that's the exact same thing. You hear that? Listen, we Paskin, like Rebbe Elazar, that a person should not daven for a person to die. Just go to the base measures, everything will be worked out, everything will be taken care of. That's how we pass him. We pass him like Rebbe Lazar. But we hold like Marukva when that's impossible and you're dealing with a seaboard, then you are allowed to daven for people to die. The Shvatim held like the Rambam. The Shvatim held they were a Rabbin. They couldn't go to the base matters because a rabbin is not required to go to a base matters, and therefore they could daven for Yosef Atzadik to die. That's what they held. They possibly even further that not only can you gather from the die, but you can manage do something to have them be killed. And the fucking Paskins that way, like the Rambam, which is a Psakwalacha, a real Psakwalacha. They Paskin that way and therefore damned him to death. The issue was is that Yosef Atzadik was a tremendous Tzadik and they didn't realize his greatness. The same way that Yosef Atzadik was able to fool them. It's really amazing. He fooled them into thinking that he was a non-Jewish king in a black kingdom. 
everybody was African American, African, they wouldn't have been American. Everybody there was African. Everybody in Egypt would have been there. And he looked like a Mediterranean guy. A Mediterranean guy who had gotten his way up there by translating dreams. Translating dreams. And he had a child, because his child was a translator, who knew Hebrew. You don't think anybody would be suspicious? It really is one of the most amazing things of the world that Shelton didn't look at him and be like, Yosef? He's like, oh man, that's terrible. I know the Ramban with the mask. I realize. I, I do. I, I understand that he put on a mask, a wolf mask. His hands are white. His hands are white. You don't think the Shelton would have asked anybody, hey, where'd this guy come from? This guy, Sofnas Paneach. Oh, his real name is Yosef. And he came from some other land. He was a slave for a while. Bought by Kotifar. I don't think anybody would have asked any questions. It's one of the reasons why Yosef Tzadik said Miraglam at times that they wouldn't ask because they're spies. They wouldn't ask any questions. Okay, whatever. Regardless, there's a lot to that and there's a lot to understand regarding that. But that's the concept, says the Chassam Sofer, that they paskin mamish like them. Aside from that, Nechunya Koper Sichin. Do you know that guy? From Baba Kama? No? Nechunya Koper Sichin used to dig pits. His daughter fell into a pit. Right? Everybody knows Rechinina Mendoza said, don't worry about it, don't worry about it, don't worry about it. The third time around, he said, somebody already saved her. She was brought out of the pit. Okay, don't worry. No, we're skipping this time's over right now. It's not going to be good there. Just know, Habor Rechim Bomayim is the Rosh Yatavis of Abraham. That's important. All right, anyway, that's the other time's over. The Abir Yaakov. You know what the Abir Yaakov is? The Abir Yaakov. Does anybody here know? Yeah. You know? Grandfather of the Babasali. Very good. Grandfather of the The Babasali is actually named after the Abir Yaakov, but... His father, Rabbeinu Masud, Baba Sali's father, was so scared of his own father, he couldn't say his name. I don't know what he did when he read Chumash, but he couldn't say his name. So he couldn't name his kid Yaakov. He had to name him Yisrael. That's why the Baba Sali was named Rabbi Yisrael Bukhatera. The Abri Yaakov was like the grandpappy of the family. He's the one that told over all the stories of Shmuel, you know, the famous flying carpet flying carpet story there's a two volume set on the Abir Yaakov and the Baba Sali it's in English and in Hebrew get the English version it's a two volume set it is the greatest they are the greatest books of all time you will never put it down you'll be like I can't believe this guy passed away in 1984 I was five when he died I was around at the same time of a Makobol that you cannot understand there's a guy in Chicago who owes his life to the Abir Yaakov he still says his mother was here his mother and father lived here at the time he's Saul Davis I don't know if you guys know him do you know him? You know, do you know him? So he's Saul Davis. He's named Yisrael after the Baba Sali. Apparently Saul didn't have a problem saying the name. But he was named after the Baba Sali because the, his mother, was. they said that the child was, unfortunately, had been dead in the womb. And they were going to do a surgery in order to remove the child. And he ran. I don't know if he called. I don't know what it was. But his father went to the Baba Sali. And the Baba Sali said, take this water. You're fine. And they went back. And there was nothing wrong. The baby was perfectly healthy and perfectly fine. I mean, if you know him, he's not perfectly fine, but, like, he's good. You know? I'm joking. He's a great guy. Either way, but that's the idea. It's an amazing, amazing idea. The, the Baba Sali lived in our times. We're not talking about a crazy person. Forget about it. Rav Yosef was his own. He was a private Makobo. There's a lot of crazy stories about Rav Yosef. There's stories with Rav Yosef and the Baba Sali that boggle the mind. Boggle the mind. He lived. He was here. I saw Rav Kaduri. I got a bracha from Rav Kaduri during Berkha's Kohen, which made no sense at all, which was awesome. 
and you're speaking in Arabic, turning their guts going in. I don't know what's up with that. But I, there are people that really know what they're doing, that really have it, that really have it. The Bubba was one of them, and his grandfather, the Abir Yaakov, was a scary dude. Scary. Absolutely scary. So again, if you can find that two volume set, I got it from Rabina for free, because he likes me. So I went, when I was at Natif, he brought it to me. He said, do you like Abir Yaakov? I said, yeah. So he's like, yeah. And he gave it to me. It's the greatest. I'm telling you, I could not put it down whatsoever. It's the greatest farm. And then, when I told him last time, I said, I really like Abir Yaakov's farm. This is the reason why. You gotta get, gotta get close with all the different Russian yeshivas throughout everywhere, no matter what. Because like, last time I came, I was like, yeah, that Abir Yaakov book you gave me was unbelievable. He's like, okay, here. And he gave me another five-volume set of that Abir Yaakov Alatora. Awesome. It's awesome. It's crazy stuff. It's crazy stuff. And it's like Sparty Torah. Sparty Torah is awesome Torah. That's what it equals to. There's no difference between Sparty Torah and awesome Torah. It's all the same. Now, Bir Yaakov says the whole thing is a remez to what happened with Potiphar later on. We all know that Potiphar became a Sris. Why did Potiphar become a Sris? Because he wanted to be together with Yosef Atzadik. Right? It's just Potiphar also wanted to be together with Yosef Atzadik. They both wanted to be. Bor, written Bezbov Resh, in masculine, refers to Potiphar. Habora, meaning hey, bays, reish, hey, which refers to the pig in feminine form, is referring to Aishas Potiphar. This was a remnant that in the future he was going to be taken by Potiphar and Aishas Potiphar. Both of them were going to try to do something and he would have to survive both of those issues. The boar was rake in Bolmayim. The boar, Potiphar, was emptied out. In Bolmayim, that there was nothing left inside him so that he couldn't be together with Yosef Atzadi because he was castrated. That's Habore in Bolmayim. Habora, the female, was still going to be a problem. You're going to have an issue with that. That's the Abir Yaakov's remez is what was going on. It was a hint to Yosef Atzadi in the future of what was going to be happening. And the final shot we're going to say is from the Grah. Grah says the whole thing refers to not lacking in Torah. Maybe you've talked to a person before that doesn't have any idea what... Torah is. Maybe you've seen a person like that before. When a person has no Torah, Memela, he's filled with snakes and scorpions. His mind doesn't work the same way. Habor rake, if the boar is rake and aimbol mine, that means he has Nechash and Dachrabim inside. Torah allows for you to be able to think clearly, for you to be able to say the right things, to be able to get to the right direction. But without it, you end up being just filled with snakes and scorpions. Everything inside your head, not being able to understand what it is. You want to be a better person? You should sit there. And I do this with a lot of my guys, and it's difficult because when you're in America, it's not the same as being in Eretz Yisrael. It just isn't. When you're, once you're in that mode of like, I'm already out of Eretz Yisrael, it's difficult to be able to inspire yourself and get yourself there. You have to have kabbalos. You have to take upon yourself certain things that you will never do no matter what. And that usually works. Even so, listen, it's hard. It's really, really hard. I have my kabbalos. I still have them. I've still been strong in them. Nonetheless, it's, it's difficult how to be able to survive when you get out there. I tell guys all the time, if you go to a Seder and you're not a better person after Seder is over, you miss something. You miss something. Because the whole point of Seder is just to sit and learn a certain text. That can't be it. It's got to be deeper than that. It's got to be to the point where the Torah is making a positive improvement in you. If you come out of Seder and you immediately scream at a guy, or you immediately budge somebody in line for lunch. I know, new cook, right? So I, if you... She was like going crazy about it. You just know. He was like, we have a new cook! I'm like, that's great! <laughs> really exciting. Very proud of you guys. Good. Maybe you won't get those little hot dog fake thingies with the little thing around it. Really. You, 
to be called Franks and Blanks, but here it's more like sushi and, uh, not sushi, and uh, tofu and something. It's not even bread. I, either way, regardless, I, I don't know what's going to be, but regard, I, the, the idea is, if you sit there and you say to yourself, there, there's something that I need to do, and you work on yourself, and you say after the theater's over, you hold yourself back from doing something. You're not going straight to something that you know you shouldn't do. And I know it's different here, but not going straight to your phone after sure is over to go see what you might have missed, a text or a phone call, or I know you're not allowed to have those, so rather move on. Nothing else for you to have. Instead of going to that, instead of saying to yourself, what's for lunch? It should be a thought of, think for one second, just stay there for an extra second. You'll say to yourself, did I have a did I get anything out of today? Am I a better person for what I am, for what I did over this past day? It's got to be that way. You're going to come to a time. Not everybody, hopefully many of you will be able to learn for the rest of your lives and have it work out. I haven't been Zoka. I teach. That definitely is not learning. But I, it's, you're going to get to a point in your lives where you are going to have to appreciate the half hour, the hour, the hour and a half, whatever you got to appreciate that time and know that you cannot bottle during it. You're going to come to that point. Because otherwise, you're just going to leave out with nothing. You could be that guy. You could be that guy that is so into TVs and movies that like when you sit by the water cooler, you're getting a coffee. Somebody's like, hey, do you see that TV show? And you're like, yeah. Yeah, that was me. <laughs> Did you hear about the Golden State Warriors? Yeah. yeah I, I, I saw like every play. You could be that guy. I call that guy a geek. Some people call that guy really cool and wins all the all the intramural leagues, not intramural leagues, what's that word? Fantasy leagues. Let me tell you, I call that guy a real geek. When you get into arguments about who the best running back in the NFL is, you're a geek. Okay? For those guys in London, if you get into, if you get into arguments about who the best forward is, then you're a geek. It's just going to happen. Not that I consider soccer a sport, but neither, nonetheless. The ideas behind it, I know. I said that earlier today. I said that line earlier today that soccer is not a sport. And three guys, momish, got up and walked out. I was like, I am not intimidated. Five minutes later, they came back and I said, stay out! <laughs> Worked out really, really well. It's good times. My kids are trying to convince me that it is. I don't believe them. Anyway, so let's go through what we did today. What we did is we entered, we mentioned the purpose of why the Shrubs did what they did. We mentioned that because I'm sober. We went through the deep, the depth of the pit. We went through the, if, it, if it's less than 10, welcome. If it's 20, almost. And the ideas behind why, how that didn't hurt them with Hevel and the great roof Sternbuff. That was awesome. Then we gave the Ram Muslim as to how this is so. I don't know, there were snakes and scorpions in there. Went through the Sefer Yasher, went through a bunch of Rishonim, the Gemarni of Bumis. How does that answer up with all these all together? Went through a piece of Zilbershin with the whole snake belt thing, which is the story you should remember for the rest of your life. The Rishonim about how they ended up going into the wrong pit, the Alshach and the Zohar about what they were trying to do, the Kliyakar we went through, we skipped those, we skipped that. Then we went to the Ksam Silver about the Navi Shaker and throwing him into a pit that was filled with water or into a pit that was going to smother him completely. We mentioned the Refersh, we mentioned the Ksam Silver about their Svara based on our Ufan, Gemar Gitin Dabzayan. We mentioned the Ksam Sofer about Rak Haborek Yimbo Mayim, but I didn't tell you guys that was this Rosh Hashanah Zohar, and it's an awesome one. And then I mentioned the Avir Yaakov and the Gra. Okay? That's what we did so far. So here we go. You can tell me, for our last favor over here, you're able to tell me the name of the Baba Sali's father. You get this favor. Sali. 
I did mention it. I did mention it. You just have to check the tape. No. Wait, what's that? That's right. All right. The one deal with this paper is, and I got it from the receiver. It's 100% true. I am not selling this paper for a reason. I'm trying not to. I, I don't do this stuff. I'm not.